Jokerman podcast, podcast about Donald Fagan and Walter Becker stealing Dan. We're getting close to the end here, folks. Gaucho, the grand finale is going to be a little, uh, little delayed as we spoke about recently, but uh, an element of Gaucho that isn't actually an element of Gaucho, but has been in the news quite a bit recently is the legendary second arrangement, which as we all know was uh, lost to the forces of time and history and, uh, you know, sticky fingers on a recording console low those many years ago. Um, And here back with us again to run through all of the exciting news in the second arrangement world, it's Jake Bluley of Expanding Dan. Jake, thanks so much for coming back. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. Pleasure's all mine. Um, I just felt like we needed to, I mean, we're getting close to the end and like the second arrangement conversation didn't fit neatly into, you know, just the way we divide the episodes, you know, they're, they're different records. So, and the second arrangement isn't on a record. Um, so we could save that conversation for the Gaucho episode, but there's so much other shit that actually is on Gaucho that needs to be talked about that, uh, I wanted to make sure that we got some time to wrap about, uh, this momentous, you know, occasion in the history of Steely Dan, uh, there's no other way to put it. It's just like we have what appears to be what sounds to be like as close to a master clean cut as we're going to get. Uh, and it is in large part thanks to you and the work that you've done with uh, Simsy Nichols. Yeah, um, Simsy, you know, was trying for years to figure out what to do with the tape. Um, she didn't want to do the wrong thing and posting it, you know, without, uh, you know, approval. And, and she wanted to try to figure out some way to honor her father by posting the track and also, you know, tell the story behind it. And, uh, luckily, you know, our paths crossed and, and we, we ended up being able to tell the entire story and, and finally release the track to the public. And what a track it is. It sounds like, I mean, amazing. Uh, after years of listening to these warbly, like, AI-reconstructed YouTube videos that sound like dog shit. Like, this is like, you know, the drums are a little kind of mushy here and there. But beyond that, it's a pretty pretty pristine, pretty clean version that, you know, as, it sounds as good as anything on Katie Lied, at least. Yeah, I mean, that was that was what stood out to me immediately. Because, you know, we we have had a version of this track for at least a decade that's been floating around online right and you know some of the older steely dan heads will say you know they've heard it since you know maybe the 90s um but yeah the thing that stood out to me when i finally heard the uh nichols tape was just how remarkably clear and crisp it was yeah it sounds you know uh uh pretty pretty Almost like, you know, exactly what you could ask for on the actual record. Remind me, you've got the whole, you know, kind of story narrated there on Expanding Dan on Substack, expandingdan.substack.com. Check it out, folks. 
Um, but, but so like Roger Nichols, right? Simpsons father. And obviously the, uh, the, the third, the third man in the Steely Dan band for uh, many years. Uh, did he just like, was he aware that he had this tape sitting there for all those years? Did he just like have it in a drawer and he forgot about it? I, what, what was the story with that? Yeah. He apparently, you know, some, at some point, um, you know, while they were recording the second arrangement as a matter of habit, uh, the recording engineers would make these rough mixes on two cassette tapes and kind of bring them home, maybe listen to them, maybe not, um, you know, kind of the version of of sort of reading a rough draft of, of a story or something like that. Right. And, you know, uh, Roger's widow told me that, you know, he would bring these tapes home all the time um, and they would just sort of sit around the house and he wouldn't do anything with them. And, one day he brought home the second arrangement um, and, you know, it got put into a drawer and and sort of forgotten about until after his death. And they were cleaning out his things in the family's Florida home. And, um, you know, they came upon this tape that was marked, you know, I think it was marked second ARR. And <laughs> pretty good hint about what might be. In yeah. <laughs> and I think they sort of all knew that this was this mythical lost tape without having really ever played it or, or heard what was on it. Right. And then Simsy, his daughter took it with her back to LA and put it in a safe at some point. And during the pandemic, uh, she, you know, was posting kind of going through her dad's things. They were thinking about doing a documentary about him. And one day during the pandemic, she posts this tape and says, you know, what should we do with this? And all these Steely Dan fans just went crazy. <laughs> it's like chum in the water for the sharks. <laughs> and uh, not being a recording engineer herself, she didn't really kind of really know what to do. What was the what was the next step? Um, you know, she it was a 40 year old tape. So there was the thought that this thing could disintegrate upon being played. Yeah. And eventually after hemming and hawing about it for a while, she finally went to a recording studio in LA and uh, met up with an archivist who was able to safely play the tape and record it at the same time. So right. that they, if it was the only time that it would ever be played, it would, it would be uh, captured at least get a digital rip. Exactly. And uh, she and her sister, Ashley, you know, finally heard what was on that tape and it was it was a hugely emotional moment like there's there's video of it and you know they're crying and hugging each other and kind of dancing around the studio so no, it was, i can imagine it was amazing they felt like uh they felt like their father had had entered the studio their father's spirit in, in any case i love it oh and you know I, I, he, he really had i guess blessing them from uh beyond the grave with uh, blessing all of us with this incredible <laughs> uh uh you know a uh, little morsel so i guess it sounds to me like and i you know uh, we're probably not ever going to know the answer uh strictly one way or the other but it sounds like this tape was maybe just forgotten by roger in this wave of tons and tons of other tapes like this that aren't you know the the holy grail that people have been waiting for in in uh for for many years rather than him having been aware that he had this pretty pristine copy of the second arrangement for all these years and just deliberately keeping it secret keeping it hidden for whatever reason that's my understanding um it's hard to know how exactly the three versions of the song that went on the internet at some point, you know, over the last decade, 
or so how they actually got there. Um, right. You know, the source, as far as I can tell, isn't clear, but it, you know, Roger's family says it wasn't, it wasn't from them. Uh, Roger being this sort of perfectionist that he was, you know, he would never want something like that. According to, according to his family, he would never want something like that on the internet and out there. So they were sort of torn. They were sort of torn about whether or not to put this copy out there because this it wasn't one, fi- a finished version. Yes. Yeah. And this one sounds, you know, 10 times better <laughs> than a lot of those. The other ones like sounded like they were being played from a boom box that was like yeah. underwater and, and uh, like mm-hmm. missing half of a speaker. So it was just like you could you could get the idea, you know, the big broad strokes of what was going on here. But it was so like I almost didn't like listening to it, you know, because it was mm-hmm. like it was right there for you. You could hear it. There was the melody. There were the lyrics. But it, at the same time, it was so far away. It was like really kind of um, like torturous knowing how close you are and yet how much distance there was between what you were hearing and what the actual reality of this song was supposed to be. Yeah, the funny thing that's happened since the Nichols tape was released was I've, I've seen some people say that they've gotten so they had gotten so used to listening to that warbled copy that there were certain things about it that they grew to love and, <laughs> and not and not hearing that is sort of disorienting to them. Uh, well, that's, you know, that's that's a real music head kind of thing, uh, falling in love with dog shit quality <laughs> copies of, of music uh, and disliking when you hear actual uh, high fidelity versions of that I've got tons of that kind of stuff with Bob sort of shit you know tons of bootleg things with weird vocal intonations or like flubbed guitar lines that aren't actually there on the studio cuts and it's like well it's it's missing when he his voice cracks and he like up sings and it's a really annoying (laughs) why i like that part of the song 